Well, hey, V1 Church, I am in a house right now, and it is my great privilege to teach you today on the power of agreement. And this is going to be a powerful word. I want you to start with Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. And before I jump into that, can I just say, you are witnessing uh, one of those sermons that will eventually become part of the archives, one of those messages that will, I believe, be a historic uh, dividing line between seasons because right now what's happening is that V1 Indiana is going weekly right now and I am so excited um, <laughs> and no we're not going we're not we're not going weekly from a house even though I'm broadcasting from a house but I'm here because this symbolically represents the end of an era um, we're still going to meet in houses for connect groups but we are at the art theater in Hobart um, as a large inspirational gathering, just like you saw in Acts chapter two. And we are weekly. So we are right now a global church with national locations. Can you believe that? Like just saying it out loud. So much hard work has been done. So I want to shout out every Dream Team member, every pastor, every Connect Group leader that has made it possible. One of the craziest things that happened this week is us having to upgrade our plan for our subscription to Planning Center for groups to facilitate 700 people in groups. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. And so God is doing something so amazing and you get to be a part of it. And I'm so excited to lead you. So on behalf of my wife and I, we just want to thank you uh, so much. I want to talk about the power of agreement. You know, this last week I was with my friend John Maxwell in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and we were doing a conference together. And um, it's just such a great privilege to be with him and to share with him. And, um, and you know, There's just something that I learned from him in my time in the Dominican Republic with him and with his team is that um, he's got big faith. He's got crazy faith. And he has a way of saying things to you and sharing things with you that are so radical that they challenge even the biggest dreamer. And it's crazy to think that um, he would turn to someone like me and say, man, I believe that you're going to be preaching to presidents. I believe that you're going to be preaching in stadiums and say things that I don't even know that I have faith for myself that I'll be doing, but through the power of agreement. See, it takes more than one person believing it. Someone else has to believe it for you, even when you don't believe it for yourself. And what I love about V1 Church is we've come together and say, I'm going to believe some things for you that you don't even believe for yourself. But then when the power of agreement agreement happens, things are possible that are only believed by one p- person, but agreed by two, so possible for many. And so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, because I've just been in atmospheres that grew me as your pastor. I've been around leaders that have spoken things into my life and, and said things that I'm going to do that I'm like, God, I'm going to have to fast a long time um, to, to actually get to the point where I can believe that. Um, but there's something about the power of of agreement. You know, um, as we look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, it says this. This is a very familiar scripture. Again, I say to you, now you know it's important if Jesus repeats himself because he's not into wasting time. And so if he repeats himself, it's important. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So if you're taking notes, we're going to go deep right now. You guys ready for some Greek? So the Greek word for agree in this verse is 
symphonio, okay? But I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give it to you in two parts because it's a compound word in Greek. So let me read the verse. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything that they ask, so if two of you agree on anything, they ask, it will be done for them by the Father, my Father in heaven. So you have this symphonio. So sum, S-U-M, the first part, means to do something in cooperation with someone else. Symphonio, so to agree, to do something with someone else in agreement, in cooperation. But this is the fun part. The second part of this compound word in Greek, phonio, means sound. And it's the same Greek root that's used for symphonic, which is an orchestra. So to agree means to come together and to make a sound that's audible and it's in orchestration together in such a way that it sounds like a symphony. Isn't that good? And so when he said, when two of you come together, it should start to sound like a symphony. This is so rich. And, and see, here's the thing. There's a lot of churches making noise, but they're not orchestrated like a symphony. There's a lot of conversations where there's a lot of chatter, but not a lot of symphonic sounds. And he's like, when you come together in agreement like a symphony, a symphony orchestra combines many diverse instruments. So it's when something different comes together and starts to sound like a symphony, not when something the same comes together. Are you getting a little bit of a revelation? Okay, so there's, oh, let me put it like this for, for some of the hood rats with me here that need to be bro- this broken all the way down to the basics. There's no need for agreement if you already agree. There's only a need for agreement where there's disagreement. So where there's disagreement that's turned into agreement before the Lord, it sounds like a symphony, and then things are released to them. Isn't that amazing? And so, oh man, this is gonna be so good. I can already feel it. All right, so I'm gonna gonna go a little bit deeper. Let me give you more of the word. Numbers chapter 13. So let's go Old Testament. Numbers chapter 13, verse 27 through 28. And they told them, now who are the they? Who are the they? The they are the spies. You all heard about the 12 spies. And the 12 spies are going out on behalf of Israel now to begin to uh, infiltrate what is known as Canaan, the promised land. This is the land flowing with milk and honey. This is, when, this is the place you don't have to take your kids to daycare because you're a stay-at-home mom now. Uh, I know I'm speaking to somebody. Uh, this is the place where you finally make enough money to have a car that has all four brand new tires, not two new tires at a time, and you rotate them. Because this is the, I'm, I'm talking about the promised land. Um, and, and so all of a sudden, they're, they're spying out the promised land. Now, I want to back up because preachers often preach this, but they don't know the Greek and Hebrew roots. The, the Hebrew word that's used for spies actually is the same word used for men and observers. So the, the reality is these guys were not professional spies. They were just men who observed. So they, they were just, they were, and, and listen, all of you are observers, you observe life, you observe church, you observe family, you observe social media. And so they're looking at the promised land and says this, we came to the land to which was sent us. Now it flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. However, look at it, listen, I, I listen, I always listen for the however um, because the however is usually what disqualifies the promise that precedes it. 
When you start putting a however after the promise, you're nullifying the promise. Like God wants to give, bless me according to his riches and glory. However, um, I, I just, I'm not college educated and it's hard finding jobs and you don't know my region. See how the however will disqualify the promise that precedes it? You know, and so sometimes we've got to delete the however to keep the promise so it remains. And so it's however, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. So the 10 spies, these 10 observers, they emphasize the difficulty. Right now, we're becoming a global church with national locations. And there's a lot of temptation to say a however after we say what God already promised us as a church. However, oh, however, Northwest Indiana people, you know, it's blue collar. They got jobs. This is, oh, they've been burned by church. It's the Bible belt. They've had bad pastors that abuse them. Like, no, come on. I'm not going to let your however exempt me from the promise that I know God spoke to me. I'm looking for a different kind of person. But see, these 10 spies, these 10 people, they, they emphasize the difficulty. And here's the thing about that. When I showed up to Long Island, they said, this is the graveyard of churches. And guess what? If they came into agreement, they made it true. So I'm going to say something that probably no preacher has ever told you about the story of the 12 spies. All 12 were right. Because whatever you agree on is what happens. All 12 were right. The ones who said we can't were right. Because as soon as they said we can't, they can't. The 10 who said there's no way that it can be possible, I know this is speaking to somebody, that as soon as you, whatever you say and you come into agreement. So there were 10 of them that agreed that it wasn't possible and they were right. And there were two that agreed that it were and they were right. Let me look at this with you. Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Why did he have to quiet them? Because it sounded like noise and not a symphony. He knew that biblical agreement sounds like a symphony. It sounds like music. And it's the diversity coming together in unity that produces the music, the symphony. And so he quieted the people and said, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. So all of a sudden what he's saying is, wait wait a second, I, I believe it's possible. No, I never saw the scripture like this. He says, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. There's no however. There's no but. There is no. And you know what people will tell you? Well, I'm just being real. It's, you know, hey, you know, that's how people will tell you. I'm just being honest. You know, they're saying, yeah, you're an honest liar. You're, you're an honest, you're full of doubt and, and honesty about your doubt. You're honest about your doubt. And so people will try to put on you what's, what they think is possible, their expectations, their fears. They'll try to place them on you. But what I love about Caleb is he literally says this. I wrote this in my notes. Caleb emphasized action, and then he gave a reason for his action. The other 10 people emphasized what was possible, but then why it's not possible. That's the equation. Is this blowing anyone else's mind? That is the equation. If you want to step into the promise, if you want to step into the fullness of what God has for you, the equation is emphasized what you're going to do and why you was going to do it. 
Like I'm going to Northwest Indiana, I'm planting a church there, and many of people are getting free because if I don't, they might go to hell. If I don't, people's potential and their purpose is never gonna be unlocked. And so I, it's like, here's what I'm gonna do and here's why I'm gonna do it. But, but what you have from the other 10 is here's what could happen and here's why it wouldn't happen. <laughs> Isn't that every conversation you have? Oh man, I could have been the star, the star quarterback, but you know, um, I just, you know, it's like people, I, oh man, I could have been a big rock star, but you know, like I was just too afraid to ever get on the road and you know, oh, I could have, you know, it's like people always tell you what could have happened and why it didn't. But Caleb said, this is what I'm going to do. And this is why I'm going to do it. There was a different spirit and he, no, this is crazy. This, this is what I'm going to tell you. So crazy. No one was questioning whether or not they were the children of God in Israel. What was at stake was whether they were the children of God who were going to move into the promise or die in the wilderness. And what I've come to realize as a pastor for many, many years is that most of these issues are not salvation issues. This is not whether you go to hell or go to heaven. It's whether you go into the promise or you stay in mediocrity. It's whether you go into greatness or you stay in fear. It's whether you go into faith or you stay in fear. That's what it always comes down to. And here's the craziest part. So you have 12 men that all observed. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. They all saw the same thing with their eyes. But how they processed it once that it went through their eyes determined what came out of their mouth. This, here's what happens. It has to go through your eyes and then out and then through your heart to before it gets out of your mouth. So what happens, it's in, this is the interpreter. And if the Holy Spirit is in here working and moving and teaching and instructing, it, you'll, you'll see the same steel mills. You'll see Gary, you'll see Hammond, you'll see Hobart, you'll see Maryville, you'll see Long Island, you'll see Queens, New York City. You'll have the same eyes, but a different heart will cause different words to come out. And see, what God's doing in this season is this circumcision of heart. He's going into callous places. He, I know this is a convicting word. Somebody's ready to repent right now. Somebody's ready to open up the altar right now because I feel this. You know, when the, when the pastors on Long Island told me it was a graveyard of churches, I said, you're right because you believe that and your church will look like a graveyard. <laughs> When in Northwest and with Indiana, when they said there's no good pastors, I said, you're right, because you said that and that and you're dishonoring and you're you're causing these things to happen. But somebody's got to have a different spirit, because when you have a different spirit, which the Bible says Caleb was wholehearted, that means that when what came through his eyes, the window of your soul went through this wholeheartedness and it was reinterpreted. Here's what I'm going to do. And here's why I'm going to do it. Man, this word is rich, but here's where it gets crazy. All of the other 10 died. Then the entire nation of Israel literally dies and they're struck down with a plague. How crazy is that? And so the consequences for agreeing with the wrong person is the death of purpose. The consequences of agreeing with the wrong person is the death of promises. 
Because see, it's not, a lot of times it's like, oh yeah, yeah, listen. Um, people say, I don't believe in tithing. We don't get to give. Yeah, I guess, but read the Abrahamic covenant. Like you, there comes a point where it's like, if you don't believe, then you don't receive. <laughs> it's that simple. Like you can, you you have a scarcity mindset and that's reflected in your budget. It's respect, It's reflected in your finances. And that if you believe it, it's true for you. That God wants you to be a vagabond and a beggar and he wants you to be in lack and that that's the way you interact with God. It's not God doing it to you. It's you not accessing what he already made available for you. But if you believe that, man, I, I can give freely because freely I receive, freely I give. I can give because I'm holding him to his word that his promises are true. I, I can get, it's like, if you believe that, that's a, that again is you come into agreement with what God said and you begin to activate it in your life and it becomes a catalyst. So all 12 spies were right because they all received the destiny they prophesied. Ten said, I won't get into the promised land, and they didn't. They received what they said. (laughs) They were all right. Two said, we will, and they went in. So here's the thing. People say, oh, a church won't work where you're broadcasting on video. If you don't believe it'll work, then go find another church because the people who do believe it will work, we're going to stay, and you're going to watch it grow, and you'll watch it work. You know how I know that? <laughs> you clap for that. Because we launched three locations in three years where I was ping-ponging locations and broadcasting in. And some of the most impactful sermons people heard in their entire life came through a broadcast or a video, whether, whether it was in Queens or Long Island, wherever it was. So here's the thing. When, when church planners say, well, this strategy will work and this one won't work, you know who's right? Whoever agrees with it. So if you agree it will work, it will work. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I are, there I am in the midst of them. If they agree on it, it will be given to them. So here's the thing. You know, Julie and I were talking about the last 15 years. This is a very surreal moment for us, you know, to, to launch uh, a church in Northwest Indiana where we were born, raised, pastored for many more years. And, and then also simultaneously to know that so many of you um, on Long Island physically in the building and then people globally are watching this right now. But I had this dream that I feel burdened to share. And it's a prophetic dream. And this dream that I had affected me profoundly. I just had this dream days ago. This dream actually was that in the dream, there was this trailer and it was in the middle of a field and, uh, you know, like a trailer that you would live in. And it was the middle of a field and this was a large field. And uh, in that dream, my daughters, Bella and Everly were there and my wife, Julie, was there. And we kept going all the way up to the borders of this field and then coming back to this small trailer. And my daughter, Bella, was leading Everly beyond the field. And she kept, and there were cities and amusement parks and all these things beyond this, this little field. And all of a sudden, you know, I kept chasing after Bella and bringing her back to this field. And her and Everly, you guys got to come back. And the last time I brought them back to this little trailer, there was this soldier. And he had like, he was there, he had healed up from war, but he lost limbs. He had his uniform still on. And there was this bed in the middle of the, the house and uh, this little trailer, and there was a dead body. I know this is disgusting, on this bed. 
And this soldier was like, but I loved her. I loved her. And he just kept like really, you know, just expressing his love. And he, it was like he was stuck. And he, and then all of a sudden I, I was like, you can't stay here. You got to leave this house. And I kicked this guy out. And all of a sudden he, I, as I went to do that, he was clutching on the mattress. And when he pulled back, it revealed multiple dead bodies. And it was the most horrendous, horrific, disgusting dream I've had. And I woke up. And immediately when I woke up, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Mike, that soldier was you. And you've survived so much, but there's parts of you that are stuck. And you are literally holding on to carcasses in the middle of the smallness of a trailer in a field. And if you don't let go and release and step out into the next thing, you're going to lose your own kids in the process. And it was like one of the most convicting prophetic dreams that I've ever had. And I'm saying this to many of you because this is a new era for our church, but more specifically the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And there's some of us that are soldiers that have been through war, PTSD. We've been through things in life. And there are these things we love and we're holding on to them so dearly. And, but we don't realize how small they are. It was just this little trailer. It wasn't even a proper house. And there were dead bodies in it, which represented relationships, things from the past. And the Lord was trying to remove us from them. And I, I kept thinking about Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 through 12, that said, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going. I think the thing that I'm trying to get through to you is stop obsessing over knowing where you're going. Because I, there was, I was stuck in this field. It's like the Lord was pushing me past my own borders and saying, you have to be Abraham. Julie has to be Sarah. You've got to move in this direction. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise. I don't want to live in the land of lack. I don't want to live in the land of fear. I want to live in the land of promise. But you have to move. Living, and this is what it says, as a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. And verse 10 says, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. <laughs> it's a future you can't even build for yourself because God designed it and built it for you. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. She considered God faithful who promised it, and she conceived. It's so amazing. Verse 12 says this, Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead... <laughs> From Abraham, he was good as dead, far past his time. Not He was impotent. His wife was past the age to conceive. It seemed as if it was all but over for them. It says this, they were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Abraham took the journey. And he's credited in the book of Hebrews for taking that journey. Sarah conceived the child, but they both had to come into agreement to make the journey and to make the child. Without Sarah, there's no journey. How can two walk together unless they're in agreement? So without Sarah, there's no journey. Without Abraham, there's no, there's no conception. 
So through the power of agreement, they become the, the mother and father of a great nation. And so here's the thing that I, I want to explain to you is, is that God is trying to bring us together, trying to bring us together in this church. The, and, it, and I want it to sound like a symphony where we start believing things for each other that we couldn't believe in and of ourselves. I, I want an Abraham to connect with a Sarah, Sarah with an Abraham. I want the, the most unlikely of people and the most unlikely of situations to say, I may not know your region, but I know your reason. And it's Jesus Christ and him being lifted up. I, I may not know your background, but for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. And now we're all going in together to the promise. And I want us to come together just like this, the, this agreement that you have. And, and here's the thing. Differences produce fruitfulness. A woman is different than a man. And their differences produce fruitfulness. You've got churches that want everybody to be the same. Those are fruitless churches. But differences produce fruitfulness. So when people say, well, I don't even know if I understand them. They're not like me. Yeah, you could probably be very fruitful in ministry together. Because differences produce fruitfulness. When two differences come together, there's conception and birth become possible. We're about to birth a movement on a whole nother level right now. I, I feel this. I feel this. I feel this. I feel this. This is a landmark moment. And I'm going to end on this. In the book of Acts, it says they were in one mind and one accord. <laughs> they were in one accord. What does that sound like? A symphony. And here's the thing, Jesus left on the 40th day and the Holy Spirit came on the 50th day. So there was 10 days that it took them to come into one accord. The difference between 40 and 50 is 10 days. So Jesus leaves on the, on the 40th day and then the Holy Spirit arrives on the 50th day. So it took them 10 days to get on the same page. I don't know about you, V1 Church, but I'm willing to go a couple of days to get on the same page. Because when we get in one mind and one accord, I mean, the fire and the wind of the Holy Spirit is gonna move through our church like never before. They were in one mind and one accord. And I told this to Julie. I said, Julie, the power that we're experiencing is long ago, we could have disagreed about staying married, but we both agreed we're gonna stay married through thick or thin, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor. We're gonna honor covenant. And if you covenant to V1 Church and this is your church, the you're, you're coming in and you're saying, man, we're, we're two come together where they touch and agree. I will give it to them. And it's not even just agreeing with each other. It's us coming into agreement with God together. Yeah. And God's saying, I want to will this in Northwest Indiana. Let's touch and agree with each other with God. And God, I want to do this in New York. He said, I want to release it on another level. Let's touch and agree together with God and let him release it. So as a church right now around the world, we'd everyone just lift up their hands towards heaven because we are going to come into one, one mind and one accord right now. I feel it. We felt it. It started last Sunday as there was an outpouring around the entire world.
world. But today, God's going to take it to another level. God's going to take it to another dimension. So I want to pray for you, okay, before we transition right now, because I just feel this. Father, I pray that our church on this historic Sunday from Long Island, come on, Long Island, I, I want you to know something was conceived and birthed on Long Island that is multiplying now in Indiana because of the obedience of what they called a graveyard. Come on, turn into a church that's turning into a church in Indiana. We just lift up Indiana. We lift up Long Island. We lift up every watch party in one mind and one accord, Father. I thank you that we're coming into alignment. We're coming into agreement. And Father, one will put to flight a thousand, but two, 10,000 through the power of agreement. And so we say that the enemy is defeated. We say, God, that you are resurrecting regions today. We say that the dumb are going to talk, that the blind are going to see. And Father, I just thank you that we are going to experience the power of agreement. And lastly, I want to end it like this. God, you said words over our life that we have not been in agreement with. You have sent servants like John Maxwell and great men and women of God and prophets and evangelists to speak words over us that we have not been in agreement with, but they've been in agreement for us. And so right now, somebody needs to surrender and say, I come into agreement with the word that your servant spoke over me, God. Now I receive it. Now I choose to believe that I will be all that they prophesied and spoke over my life through the power of agreement. And if you believe it, I want everybody, come on, from Long Island to Indiana, around the world to just simply say, and this is, this is the phrase, of agreement. Let it be so. Come on, let's put our hands together and celebrate. Thank you, Father.